Good morning, everyone. It's great to be able to see you all here. And if you're visiting with us this morning, have a warm welcome to you. We're so glad you're able to come and join with us. Um, Ruben mentioned it's uh, over uh, the summer holidays. We tend to, to cut things down a little bit. Um, just as a shorter as part of our summer series. But kids, um, being in the service, we do have some pieces of paper at the back. If, if you've come um, and, and you're a visitor, please feel free to go up the back and go and grab some colouring in sheets and some worksheets there that you can grab and come back. Um, and uh, you can do that any time if you're visiting with us. We also have a crèche room at the back um, that you can use at any time as well. Um, it's good to be together, isn't it? It's good to be able to remind each other and be able to have people come out the front and remind us of what we're learning through the week and what God is doing in our our lives personally. And then we get to share that together as part of God's family. Um, This week, we're in the second of a short three-week series of unpacking uh, Galatians chapter 5 and specifically in reference to uh, the fruit of the Spirit. Um, We've really enjoyed this tree over here over the Christmas break, haven't we, Um, as part of um, uh, Christmas, but we intentionally um, have it still going because um, Kim and Kerry, as they were praying about what they they wanted to do in coming up, they they asked us for what's the brief, what what are we looking for part of this, um, this Christmas summer series. And we talked about we want to be able to focus on life and the fruitfulness that comes from a life in Christ. And I think they have very well done that, don't you? Yeah. yeah. I want to encourage you. Um, it's, it's next week. At the end of next week, it's coming down. So um, I encourage you, I haven't had a, a look. On all of those um, pieces of fruit is a Bible verse which is um, in relation to uh, what we've been discussing last week and, and um, the, today and next week, as well as our Christmas break. And then you can see the same things along the front. So go and have a look. Go and have a read. If it's your last chance, if you want to have a photo in front of the pretty lights, I can do that as well. Um, but would you uh, turn with me now and let's read uh, from Galatians chapter 5. I'm going to be starting from verse 7 through to 25. Galatians chapter 5, I'm reading from the Christian Standard Bible. Who's got it? Got it? Ready to go? A few people are going. I'm looking at the screen, so I've got it. You were running well. Who prevented you from being persuaded regarding the truth? This persuasion doesn't come from the one who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole batch of dough. I myself am persuaded in the Lord. You will not accept any other view. But whoever it is that is confusing you will pay the penalty. Now, brothers and sisters, if I still preach circumcision... Why am I still persecuted? In that case, the offence of the cross has been abolished. I wish those who are disturbing you might also themselves be mutilated. For you were called to be free, brothers and sisters. Only don't use this freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. 
but serve one another through love. For the whole law is fulfilled in one statement. Love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you'll be consumed by one another. I say then, walk by the Spirit, and you'll certainly not carry out all the desire of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is against the Spirit, and the Spirit desires what is against the flesh. These are opposed to one another, so that you don't do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, moral impurity, promiscuity, promis... Yep, you know that word. Idolatry, sorcery, hatreds, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and anything similar... I'm warning you about these things. As I warned you before, those who practice such things don't, will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The law is not against such things. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you that we are here. Teach us today, we pray. Would you fill us with your Spirit so that we might bear good fruit? Specifically today, Lord, I pray that we might have a greater understanding and be bearing joy. We pray, amen. Uh, well, Matt did introduce the series last week, showing us that the book of Galatians is a letter to Christians in Galatia who are living a life which was concerning to Paul. He was concerned about a trend going around of self-justification. Or being right before a holy God by doing certain things plus Jesus. Rather than the truth of being justified or being right before a holy God only because of Jesus. You hear the difference? He sacrificed on the cross and the victory over sin and death. Galatians 5, 7 says... You were running well. Who prevented you from being persuaded regarding the truth? This persuasion doesn't come from the one who called you. A little leaven leavens the whole batch of dough. Do we all sort of know what that is meaning there? Um, Leaven, it's like a yeast. It's yeast which permeates the bread. And the whole process of that permeation inside the bread makes it all light and fluffy. But you don't see the little bit of yeast. It's throughout the whole lot. Um, Now, to me, that sounds really nice because I like bread. (laughs) And I like light and fluffy bread. And that sounds great. 
but I don't think Paul is really describing this idea of leaven or yeast as a positive thing. Maybe a more blunt description could be like ice cream. Yum. I like ice cream. But uh, maybe a blunt or, or a crude type of description is, um, what if a little bit of content from a young one's nappy was put inside the ice cream? And then we'll mix it all up. Some people just go on, ugh, at the moment. That doesn't sound great, does it? Now, who would want to eat that now? No, it's not, not, not the same as the idea of bread. It's pretty disgusting, really, isn't it? You put that sort of stuff inside ice cream, it ruins it. Any message outside the truth of God and what he has done for us through Jesus for salvation, anything added to that ruins the gospel, the good news of the gospel. The gospel message is horribly, horribly distorted and dangerous when it comes to being an idea of good news about Jesus plus works. Good news of Jesus plus the things that you do or being a good person, good morals. It's equally dangerous when the gospel is presented that it's about Jesus and freedom to do whatever you want. Verse 13 says, For you are called to be free, brothers and sisters, only don't use this freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but to serve one another through love. For the whole law is fulfilled in one statement. Love your neighbor as yourself. And Paul then describes what a life of freedom, unrestrained, looks like and compares it to what life of the spirit looks like. And the life of the flesh isn't nice. But if you were looking around the world, it's actually what we're being sold every day and even celebrated. But it's not fruit of the spirit. Well, today I'm focusing on joy, but as it was mentioned last week, it's the fruit of the Spirit, not the fruits of the Spirit. So, meaning it's all of those fruit mentioned, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, is all an example of the fruitful life of a Christian living the Spirit-filled life, compared to a life which is controlled by our sinful human desire. It shows a healthy tree. Fruit is a display of something good going on. Or, if the fruit's bad, or if it's not yielding, it's a sign of unhealthiness in a tree. It's interesting, however, out of all the characters that you see as fruit of the Spirit, joy, or more specifically the lack of joy, can be one of the first characters of the fruit of the Spirit that a Christian, personally, and others around them, can observe that maybe something is a little bit wrong. What do I mean by that? Well, let's 
look at joy a little bit deeper. Um, like Luke mentioned just earlier, um, when I was starting to look at this, I just thought this would be super easy. Uh, what is joy? Well, the, the expectation would be, well, joy is about happiness. But the more you consider it, the deeper the sense of joy referred in the Bible is significantly more than happiness. So it's likely a different definition to what we'd normally use when we say we have joy. Joy means you've got to be happy. Okay. Well, it's similar to love. When we looked at the spiritual fruit of love last week, Matt was talking about the, the same love. Well, or sorry, was Matt talking about the same sort of love that my family has when we go to the ice cream shop at Foster in the holidays and we all get an ice cream? Because, well, we all love ice cream. Yum. Well, we say that, don't we? We love ice cream. But is that the love Matt was talking about? No. no. What about, I, I love Lindell. I mean, I love Lindell. <laughs> but is that what the spiritual fruit of love is? No. Well, what is the spiritual fruit of love, of a love and joy. Does the spiritual fruit of love um, equal those things that I just mentioned? No, of course not. Ice cream and Lindell. But the spiritual fruit of love does help me to have a deeper connection with my wife, doesn't it? It does help me to appreciate the good things in life that we get to have, like ice cream. An appreciation of love of God in our lives gives a richer purpose to how we love in life. And it's the same with joy. In actual fact, it's the same with all the fruit. On the surface, we could go, joy is about being happy. We might even, out of conviction, try and fake or force happiness. Oh, I'm a Christian. So I should be happy. Everyone should be happy. I'm going to consume our life with trying to force happiness. But if joy is a fruit of the Spirit, does that mean that this spiritual fruit has dried up when we find ourselves not happy? Because happiness is circumstantial. Is joy circumstantial? Can someone here in this service right now or listening online, any Christian be grieving because they have lost a loved one, be it death or a separation because of specific circumstances, does that stop them from being able to experience and show the spiritual fruit of joy? I mean, Luke already mentioned uh, one of the places in James chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Or in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, both of these verses have been mentioned this morning. God's doing something here this morning. Keeping our eyes on Jesus the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, 
for the joy that laid before him, Jesus, he endured the cross, despising the shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Each time joy is mentioned there, it's attached to things which is not pleasant. For the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross. The cross was not a place of happiness. But it says here, for the joy that lay before him. And again, in James 1, 2 and 3, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you have or when you face trials of many kinds. I mean, if it's about happiness, I'm really sorry, but I'm not happy when there's trials in life. Tim, we've run out of coffee. Or more seriously, Tim, we've run out of money and we don't have the money at the moment to pay the bills which are coming. Is my response, yippee, because spiritual fruit is happiness. No, of course not. True joy is a fruit of the, of the, as a fruit of the Spirit is a something much deeper than happiness. It's possible for a Christian to have joy and yet be struggling with things day by day. It's possible for a Christian to have joy and be having bouts of depression. True joy is actually what helps you get through. It's your strength to keep going because it's more than just happiness. If you want to know what joy looks like, it's strength in the difficult times as well as in the good. Nehemiah 8.10 even specifically says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. So here's my feeble attempt to define joy today. It's up on the screen for you. Joy through the Spirit. I think it's on the next slide, Sandra. Joy through the Spirit is confidence and delight in God and the things that God delights in, regardless of circumstance. I'll say it again. Joy through the Spirit is confidence and delight in God and the things that God delights in, regardless of circumstance. Well, let's unpack this. Joy looks beyond our historical things that have happened, our immediate, what we're going through right now, or the things which might happen circumstantially in the future. It goes and looks beyond those things to look at the one who is preeminent. Oh, there's a big word. Preeminent. It's just a big word for saying God is bigger and greater and more powerful than all things, behaviors and feelings. God is bigger than all of that. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. 
He's the way maker. Know that song? Joy delights in God because he's good. Even when you're looking at things which are bad. And joy allows us to therefore take delight in everything that he finds delight in. So what does God find delight in? We could list heaps of things. You only need to do a Google search, as I did, of joy in the Bible and go to a commentary, um, a concordance, I should say. Go to a concordance and look up joy and know how many times joy is mentioned in the Bible. But I've just picked three. The first one is God delights in Jesus. Luke 1, we've looked at just over Christmas, haven't we? Messenger from God. An angel of the Lord comes to shepherds, mere shepherds, ordinary shepherds, not the most important people on the earth, people just going about their day-to-day business, just going through their normal struggles, and an angel comes and says to them, don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy which will be for all the people. Today, in the city of David, a saviour has been born for you, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This was a great occasion. It brought the kingdom of heaven great joy. God sent an angel specifically to say that. This is good. This is good news. Jesus is here. Jesus brings joy. God delights in Jesus as one of the Godhead. Luke 3, we see again, Jesus is at his baptism. And as he's praying, heaven opened, the Holy Spirit descends on him. So now we see the triune God in one where Jesus is there, the Holy Spirit descends on him, and a voice from heaven comes and says, You are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. Delight. Delight in Jesus. God delights in Jesus. So should we. Whenever we think about who Jesus is, what he has done for you, delight in him. Second one, God delights in the outpouring of your affection. Do you know what I mean by the outpouring of your affection? Expression of affection. You say it. Your body demonstrates it. Affection. Love God. Love others. In fact, God even commands it. So you could substitute, and a joy is an outpouring of your affection, and God delights in the outpouring of your affection with simple obedience, if you wish. But obedience, as um, Rolf so beautifully put it this morning, sometimes comes more about the rules rather than the expression of freedom. God delights in the outpouring of your affection. An obedience to be intentional with your relationship with God. 
God delights in you being um, strategic in delighting in him. And he delights in how you express a delight in other people. In loving God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength and loving your neighbor as you love yourself. Psalm 16 verse 1 says, You make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. The psalmist is expressing an intimacy of relationship. You make known to me, God, the path of life. You fill me with the joy of your presence. Love's hanging out with God. Love's being and spending time learning more about him, questioning, yielding to God. Again, Psalm 511, let all who take refuge in you be glad. Let them ever sing for joy. Spread your protection over them so that those who love your name may rejoice in you. That's actually out of a place of need. But again, he's saying, God, I desire to be close to you, close that you put your arms around me and you hold me, you protect me. It's not, I'm just going to send an email and hopefully you'll receive it. And man, I'm going to feel so blessed when I get that email back. No, it's intimacy, being close in relationship with God. I need you, God. I love you. I want to be close to you. I want to learn more about you. You are so amazing. Can you hear those words of intimacy from the psalmist? How about John 15, verses 9 to 12? As the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. This is my command. Love one another. Jesus himself teaches us that the greatest commandments are these. Love God and love your neighbor. It's not an accident that Jesus uses this passage in John 15 as a conclusion of describing joy and using a vine, a plant, as an analogy. It's a fruit of the Spirit. 2 John, verses 1 and 12 says, I have much to write to you, but I don't want to use paper and ink. Instead, I just hope to visit you and talk with you face to face so that our joy can be complete. Paul knew what it was meaning when you are with brothers and sisters and connecting with another and the importance of that. That when you do that before God, it brings joy. Being together as Christians, reminding each other of how good God is, wells joy. What's one of the first things that Satan will try to do to try and discourage you? Pull you away from fellowship, from God. 
and from others. And it happens so easy, doesn't it? Well, the third point that God delights in, God delights in Jesus, God delights in an outpouring of your affection, and God delights in you. He delights in you. I want you to all hear this this morning. He delights in you. But be careful. He delights in a humble you. It's not, he delights in you because, man, I'm so good at standing on this pulpit and playing the guitar and, and leading songs and I get the words right every time. No, God keeps me humble. But he delights in you. God delights in what happens here in a morning church service as we, in our ordinary lives, want to express joy in an extraordinary God. That's what we do. Is the basis of our Christian walk a fruit based on happiness? Based on financial security? Based on a perfect family? Is it based on having a satisfactory job? Is it based on good health? No. Scripture shows us that joy is delight in Jesus, delight in outpouring your affection towards God and others, and delight in knowing that God finds joy in you. Let's, let's unpack a couple of these verses. John 15 again. The second part of it. I've told you these things so that my joy may be in you and your joy might be complete. This is my command. Love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this to lay life down, lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends. If you do what I command you, I do not call you servants anymore because a servant doesn't know what his master's doing. I've called you friends. Because I have made known to you everything I've heard from my Father. You didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce fruit. That your fruit should remain. So that whoever, whatever you ask in the Father. Sorry, whatever you ask the Father in my name. He'll give you. It's a sign of a Father's affection for you. Isn't it? Luke 15 verse 7 says, I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. So when we talk about a humble you, it's a recognition of knowing who you are before a holy God. And that in that knowledge... You accept the love message that God has given to you. That I love you. I've sent Jesus. Jesus has died for you so that you can be set free from sin and death. And I want you to come and belong to my family forever. It says that there is great rejoicing in heaven. When a sinner in repentance yields to a holy God. Great joy. He finds great joy in you. If you love Jesus this morning, you've given your life to Jesus, 
I want you to know he takes delight in you. If you are here this morning, you haven't experienced that joy of God's delight in your life. He is offering it to you this morning. That you can know that God delights in you and wants to give you the fruit of joy. When the Christian bears the spiritual fruit of joy, this will change and help you in your outlook of life. So it will affect general happiness. It'll give you freedom to be satisfied regardless of your financial status. It'll speak into your family dynamics of God being the solution and not contributing to a problem that's taking place. It changes your attitude at work when you're doing things that you don't want to do. It allows us to have a bigger picture when our given prognosis of health is not good. Or you're watching service online like Dan Surrett this morning who's in hospital with four broken ribs. Does that mean that Dan can't express joy? No, actually he can. But in the midst of these things, he is being reminded, just as we're being reminded, that joy is much deeper than just mere happiness. I did put that in there because I was joking with him that I would would highlight him today, just so he'd be a bit embarrassed. But also, it's good for us to be praying for him, isn't it? So um, would you be praying for him um, over this next week and for the Surrett family? Okay. So... Say you now observe that, Tim, you've been talking about joy, about delighting God, delighting Jesus, delighting others, and delighting knowing that God delights in me. Oh, I don't, I'm not feeling that. I'm just not feeling it. I don't, I don't really, I, I actually lack joy. What now? Well, first of all, the worst thing you could hear is going, well, you need to try harder. Come on. Joy is an important fruit. Try harder. Push that puppy out. Joy. You've got to try harder. Harder, harder, harder. Joy, 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 joy. Joy. Doesn't happen like that, does it? The fruit is not trying and busting and busting to be able to produce fruit. No. Don't try and focus on joy itself to be able to find joy. What will give you joy? Well, focus on those things that we said that God delights in. How do you feed it? How do you feed your life so that you start bearing the fruit of joy? It's not by effort on its own. You cannot force that fruit to grow. You don't see a tree straining to make the fruit, nor should it be us. That would then become like what was first mentioned about a works mentality of look at this, man, I have toiled hard and look at the joy I've produced in my life. It's not like that. It's finding delight in God, delight in all that he does and has done and will do And joy is a fruit of the Spirit which will grow as you choose to delight in Him. Psalm 43 verse 4. 
then I will go to the altar of God, to God, my exceeding joy. Psalm 70, verse 4. May all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who love your salvation say evermore, God is great. Psalm 63, verse 3. Because of your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. In these passages, it's not the altar that's giving you joy. It's God. It's not the love of salvation that brings joy. It's the love of a great God who has provided you that salvation. It's not your lips praising God which is going to give you the joy. It's because of who God is that we will respond by praising him with our lips. It is interesting that all the time joy and rejoicing and delight is talked about in the Psalms, that it's a response of some sort of expression or proclamation of how good God is. Whether that is a joy of singing or just shouting out his name or telling other people about it, that's joy. Man, I've got to tell someone else about this. This is good stuff. It's God that brings joy. Focus on him. Spend more time delving into God. Don't go, oh, I need to try harder. Oh, I don't have joy. I have to keep trying. Oh, man, I'm so bad at this. Because you know what? You're not going to get happier. It's just going to put you down a downward spiral. Don't focus on the fruit. Focus on the one who gives you the fruit. And he will produce joy in your life. Praise God. So how are you going with fruitfulness of joy? Are you finding yourself confident in God? Delighting in God? In all that he sees as good? Or are you currently, if you were to do an internal analysis of your life, seeing fruit of flesh in your life? I'd like you to consider that. Are you listening to forces which are wanting to distract you into living a spirit-filled life? For one person, it might be all about moral relativity. I'm a good person. I need to keep proving myself to God. And because I'm a good person, man, God deserves me. What a lie. Because you know what? You'll find yourself failing. And then you go, well, I can't. And you're in this vicious cycle. Oh, I need to do hard. God must be disappointed in me. No, God delights in you. Focus on him. Realize what he has done for you. And as a child of God, as a friend of God, let that well up in thankfulness. Or is it the opposite? Man, I gave my life to Jesus. Jesus died for me. How good's that? All right, that's over and done with. Now, what else can I do with the rest of my life? And you ignore God and you start pursuing things in the flesh. Certain things are more important than God is. If you find yourself often distracted and not talking about God much, not listening to God much, not fellowshipping with other believers much, it's probably because you're on a form of um, starvation diet. You're saved, but you're more interested in feeding yourself rubbish because you're free to do so. But all things are permissible, but not beneficial. In your freedom, what are you going to do with that freedom? You're going to use that to say, God, thank you. I want to spend more time with you. 
I want to delight in you. Or in your freedom, you're going to go, oh, you know, I'm tired today. I don't think I'll come to church today. Besides, I'm going to the beach later. Oh, I can worship God there. Yeah. Hey, kitty. Hey, Melissa. Kitty, God delights in you. Family. Love it. So whether you're trying hard to be a good Christian and you're trying to see, do I stack up in life? Or whether you have been living a life of going, well, I've given my life to Jesus. Now I'm moving over to live my life now. Either way, you're not going to find the spiritual fruit of joy in your life. Instead, joy through the Spirit is confidence and delight in God and the things that God delights in, regardless of the circumstance. We're going to be taking communion now. And I want to highlight as we finish up that verse from Hebrews 12.2, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, for the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. That verse, for the joy that lay before him, is similar to what we would hear, let us run the race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. So that first part, let us run the race and the joy that lay before him. He was running that race. He had something intentional in mind when he was bearing the cross and it brought him joy. That joy was that he was making the way for you to be brought back into a right relationship with him. That's joy. You can have that same joy expressing back to God this morning, about an affection back to him saying, God, I love you. You first love me. How crazy is that? Me, with all my problems, and you love me. Thank you, God. I repent. I turn away from my sin and I want to put my direction, my affection towards you and delight in everything that you are and everything that you delight in. In my world at the moment and what I'm experiencing, I've got confidence in you. You're going to help me through this. You are my strength. That's the joy that I have. So as you take communion today, would you reflect on that? Reflect that Jesus came to the cross for you in your daily life. Can be reminded each week when we're here, joy comes from the Lord. Joy is through everything of what Jesus has done. It gives us reason to rejoice and praise and sing and want to shout it out and tell other people. Take communion. Know that when he lay his life down on the cross and his blood was shed and his body was broken, that it was done as a sacrifice for your sin because he loves you. And he has done everything at the cross to deal with sin and death. He didn't stay dead. He's alive. He's at work now. 
He's preparing a place for all of us. He finds great joy in what's coming. And you too can say one day, I will be in person at the wedding feast of the Lamb with my Saviour. And until that day, I take this cup and this bread in remembrance of all you've done. If you've never taken communion this morning because, A, you don't understand it, or you've never been there, I invite you to, before you come to communions, ask yourself the question, have you experienced this joy before? Do you understand the love of God that he has for you? Will you receive him now, repent, and recognize that God did that because he loves you? Say thank you to him. Ask him to fill you with joy. Then take communion and let joy fill your heart. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that you are the giver of joy. Joy is found in Jesus. Joy is found in obedience to um, loving you and loving others. You are the object of our affection. And Lord, I just thank you that you love us. You first loved us. That brings us joy, God, when we recognize your love. And so we want to rejoice in you. Let that affect everything in our lives, God. We pray. Amen.